Welcome to the Faith and Money Podcast, where listeners are invited to explore the captivating intersection of faith and finances. Leading the way are two remarkable hosts, Keith Conley, President of True Legacy Financial Planning, and Crystal Wampler, President of Can Ethics. Faith and Money explores a diverse array of financial topics, always placing Christ at the center of our discussions. From the basics of budgeting and investing to the transformative power of charitable giving and the dynamics of entrepreneurship, we explore it all. Keith and Crystal invite guests who are thought leaders, financial experts, and individuals who have successfully integrated faith and finances, offering practical tools and inspiring stories to guide you on your own path. If you find the Faith and Money podcast valuable and entertaining, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, and your rating will help us reach more people, empowering them to align their faith and finances. Now, without any further delay, here's Keith and Crystal. Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast. I am your famous host, Keith Conley, president of True Legacy Financial Planning. Uh, we thank you for all of our listeners and our growing fan base. If you haven't already, please go ahead and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And for extra credit, give us five stars and a favorable um, review. Uh, we love our listeners and, and we're so excited that you're here to join us. We, You are much more than a pastor, a business owner, or a parent. You might be one of those things, you might be none of those things, but at the end of the day, you have many roles in your life that you fulfill. You might be a parent, you might be a sibling, you might be a husband or a wife. You are many different things, and juggling all of those roles is challenging. Many entrepreneurs and high-performing employees become so fixated on their work that they miss out on other vital things in their life. Not even ministry leaders like pastors are immune to this problem. One of the things that I, I love to recommend to my clients is that they create a list of all the roles in their life. You know, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a sibling, I'm a parent, uh, and just list them all down on a piece of paper and think about the areas in your life that you might be neglecting and need to improve upon. Uh, with that in mind today, our guests are a married couple who help business owners balance business and marriage. I'm so excited to have them join us as they are an excellent combination of business and a ministry focus. For this reason, I really truly believe that there's a lot in, that we can and should learn from this incredible couple. We are excited to have you here, Robert and Kaylee Fukui. Hey, thanks, Keith. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And what I love about what you're saying is you're you're looking at wealth from a very holistic standpoint, right? And it's not just about money, but it's every aspect of your life, including and most importantly, probably your relationship, your relationship with God, and of course your relationship with all your families and the key people around you and key relationships. So that's that's when you really have true wealth, right? It, that's so true. You know, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6 that you can't have both God and money as your master. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, here at Faith and Money and at True Legacy Financial Planning, we are very committed to helping our clients think biblically about money, wealth, and generosity uh, and, and to make 
money a servant rather than the uh the master really control <laughs> yeah, yeah the master yeah. uh and, and so you know tell us a little bit about your background robert and kaylee so I'm actually a pastor's kid turned business entrepreneur. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my dad was a pastor. And uh, one of the things I said I didn't want to be growing up was a pastor. <laughs> and um, so I went kind of in the business route, got a, a marketing degree and just spent the bulk of my career in Fortune 500, you know, worked for some big brands like Coca-Cola and all in, all in marketing and sales. And then about six years ago, uh, left that, left the corporate environment to help family business um, succeed and really just fell in love with the fact that, you know, there, there's a business side of what we do to help them. And it, you see the the impact that it makes on the lives, them as business owners, and because a lot of them are struggling sometimes and just seeing the change in the business for the better that impacts their lives as well as their employees' lives. And then, you know, the wrinkle we just added really helping them as entrepreneurs and as married couples to thrive in all phases of their life, just took it up a notch and just uh, really just fell in love with that and what we do now. I grew up as a family business <laughs> child of that and third generation entrepreneur family. And I just have a heart for entrepreneurs. Oh my gosh, I've seen so many people working so hard, putting their time and energy into it. Me personally, on the family side, we really struggled. My dad worked six days a week, so he wasn't home much. And it was really hard on my mom and his kids. Uh, I've just seen the entrepreneurs, how we can come in and change communities. And they're so important. I feel like it's what keeps the economy going and we build leaders, uh, hire people. So we keep the economy um, rolling along. The thing that I, I really love about you uh, both, you know, Robert and Kaylee, is that you have this strong business acumen. Uh, which is so needed, but you also have this this very godly ministry focus. Uh, and most people think of these things as two polar opposites. You can't be, you know, pro business and pro kingdom of God. You have to choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. And 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 certainly that's definitely a myth. And you guys are just the living example of that. So I'm just really excited that you're here, uh, Robert and, and Kaylee. You founded a work called Power Couples by Design, which provides both marriage and business coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the three core areas that you work in? Yeah, so kind of as we've kind of set it up, you know, the average business owner is working so hard that the relationships suffer because the focus is on that. And understandably, because it's their main source of income. And so, and there's also the pressure you know, especially when you have employees that, you know, everything you feel the pressure on you is not just about you and your family, but it's about the people in the families that you are employing. Right. So then there's all this, there's all this added pressure then you don't, that you don't have when you're W2 an employee. And so it's understandable that they want to put as much effort into that to make the business successful. Unfortunately, the bad side of that is that their marriage and their family life suffers. And so when we kind of recognize that in our clients, you know, one, we kind of grew up in that environment as Kaylee shared. And even my dad as a pastor had a similar 
similar focus was build the ministry and you have to sacrifice the family for the sake of the ministry that's you know so regardless of your ministry or in business there's this thing about you have to sacrifice your family life for the success of the organization that you're building and of course that's just a myth that we just all kind of bought bought into but anyway so we just decided we need to hit this thing head on the elephant in the room is yeah we have some challenges personally because of so much focus in the business but we don't think that there's a solution we just feel that there that's just the way it is because everybody else is doing it that way right you see other business owners doing the same thing and so you just feel that's the way it's got to be done and we said no because i didn't think it was god's best because i was when i was in transition from my corporate job into building the consulting so i could leave my corporate job you know i was working a lot of hours too because i had my day job and then i went consulting you know in, at night and i'm not getting in bed till 2 a.m in the morning and it, it it started to wear on me kaylee was very you know understandable yeah i know it's just a season until we transition over to to doing the business full time but i was so tired and exhausted that i wasn't even present for her emotionally or mentally and sometimes physically because i just want to take a nap on weekends as opposed to being present for her so that's when i just said god this isn't your best i don't believe and i don't see anything in scripture where you actually sacrifice your home life for the sake of personal professional gain for the sake of wealth right and so i just believe that it's not god's best so i just kind of really have to pray into that about how do i do things differently and so that's when we looked at number one establishing some boundaries between business and home life how do we you know the first boundary i set on the business side was how do i get to bed by 11 p.m as opposed to 2 a.m those extra three hours a night make a big difference over the course of a week, right? And so, you know, setting that boundary then with what the time I did have left in the consulting business, how do I just do it better? How to be more productive as opposed to being just busy? I was busy till 2 a.m., but I wasn't necessarily productive all those hours. So shrinking those hours of availability to work in the business forced me to do the things that were priorities that were productive. And so, you know, what we do now with Power Couples by Design is understanding what establishing some boundaries between home life and personal life or home life and business and make sure you prioritize your family first. And what does that look like? And then with the business side, how do you be more productive and not just busy? Because the average business owner is spending 60, 60 to 65 percent of their time on in the business activities. They're, it's busy work, but it's not necessarily productive work. And so setting boundaries and then establishing being more productive in business by working smarter, not harder. And we focus on the three core areas in the business, which is time, money, and performance. So that's kind of how we got there. Right. I, I remember times in the past, you know, and this happens on a recurring basis, not always true, but it happens, you know, from time to time where my wife says to me, I don't feel like you're here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm physically here, but right. mentally I'm not. Right. Uh, I remember when I was studying for my certified financial planner exam, she just said for six months, I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was home every night, uh, I, I, but I woke up early and stayed up late. And, but there was, you know, hardly any time with the kids. There was hardly any time with, uh, with my wife. And, and, you know, we suffered for that. And, and so it's been definitely a, a challenge. 
Robert, I don't know if you're like me, but one of the things that I really struggle with as, as a man is finding my identity in what mm -hmm. I do rather mm -hmm. than in Christ. Right. Uh, and so there's this pressure that I put on myself. I have to perform. I have to get that next client. And, 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 you know, and those are legitimate things. I, I, I do need to serve my clients well. Mm -hmm. I do need that next client to stay afloat. But finding my identity in it, when uh, what happens is when I don't get that next client, when that client decides that I'm not the best fit or, or I have some disappointment, it really drags me down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just things to, you know, consider and, 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 uh, to monitor, you know, where my heart really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you know, hit the, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You know, that's why entrepreneurs and people in ministry, and even if you're just in a career in a W two job, you find your identity in what you do, not in who you are. And that's that's from childhood. I mean, we mm -hmm. were we've been conditioned to achieve. And that achievement becomes our identity. And if we don't achieve, you know, like if my grades weren't good enough, my dad talks to me about that, right? And so you're you're conditioned to continue to achieve because if you don't, you get reprimanded or people look unfavorably on you and all that, and it hurts it hurts you. And so over the years, right, you just your identity gets built into what you do and your performance on that. And so that's why we struggle in having that proper work life balance. A lot of it is that is we, it's hard to tear, our, tear ourselves away for even just a few minutes to be with our kids or to be with our spouse. Because no, if, if, I, if I don't pay attention to business for even a minute, it's gonna suffer, it's gonna crumble, <laughs> right? And as Christians, then where is God in this? Mm -hmm. If we feel it's all on me, then where is God in this equation? Because God blesses the proper alignment of, you know, a personal relationship with him and then yourself, your family, and then your business is always last. And then that's where the striving comes in as well. It's like, oh my gosh, it's all on me. Look at all that I have to do. And I don't know if I can do it all, but where's the Lord in it? Because a lot of times maybe he wants you to pivot. You know, you never know, like in my case, what the Lord's up to. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, Lord, this was the vision, but he has me going a different direction, you know, course correcting along the way. So we want to make sure we take him with us and uh, let his presence be felt. Right, and and the other thing that I'm I'm thinking about is that so often in our businesses that we become the most important person in the business, and as and if we're the owner, if we're the owner of the business, we're the leader of the business. I think there's certainly a place for that, but isn't the isn't the goal to have a business that is self sustaining so that you don't need to be on duty 24 7 mm -hmm. that you could actually sell the business and whether you're not you're involved in the business it'll actually continue yeah to, to bring impact upon your clients or if you continue to own the business that it could still function and, and run and operate whether or not you're on duty or not correct yep yep absolutely i mean you are the most important in the sense of you're leading a vision you're leading a direction but at the same time you shouldn't have to be the only cog in the wheel. And if you're if you're absent for a day or two, that everything falls apart, <laughs> right? So from that standpoint, you don't want to be the most important piece of the business. Um, that your team is more important as far as the everyday 
operations, but also the growth. You know, they're, they're physically the ones that are operating and also leading the growth. And you as a business owner just step back as more of the mentor, the visionary, and just the encourager and the support and make sure that your team has everything they need to succeed. These lessons that you're working on are applicable, not just to business owners, but to ministry leaders. Mm -hmm. How many churches out there would crumble if the pastor left? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the pastor isn't supposed to be the focus. Right. The the focus of a church is Christ. And, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly the pastor has a vital role there, but that church should still operate and fulfill its mission whether, you know, Billy is the pastor or Joe is the pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, right. and, and so what you're talking about here is applicable, not just in business. So Absolutely. let's back up for a second. You know, we talked a little bit about how you grew up in a, in a pastor's home, Robert, but tell us a little bit about both of your faith journeys. Well, like I said, I've grew up in, the, in a Christian home, obviously. My dad was a pastor. And so I always knew who God was, but it really wasn't till well, actually, when I was nine years old was my first real experience and encounter with the Lord, where I had a Samuel moment where he, an audible voice, he woke me up in the middle of the night. I thought it was my mom because it was he said, Bobby, and only my mom calls me Bobby. And so he said, Bobby. And so um, I woke up and I walked to my parents' bedroom and to see what my mom wanted, but they were both fast asleep. And so I went back to bed and then, you know, probably a few minutes later, I, I heard the voice again calling. So I, I woke up and, you know, not exactly sure what he said, because I said kind of like what Samuel did. I said, speak, Lord, if I'm listening. Unfortunately, I didn't get up out of my bed. I stayed laying down. And so I basically fell back asleep. <laughs> and all I could hear was like, you know, the Peanuts character, that wall, 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 when the adults speak, you hear that wall, 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 wall. Well, that's kind of what I remember hearing, uh, just because I kind of fell back asleep. So I wasn't fully awake. Um, so that was my only biggest regret of my life was not standing up <laughs> or, you know, at least sitting up out of bed so I can really hear what he had to said to say. But uh, obviously I know that he, whatever he said wasn't imparted to me, but that was my first experience. And then I, I kind of drifted away a little bit in faith as my teenage years in college, because I really wanted to experience what my other buddies were experiencing, the partying and going out and doing the other things of the world. And so I kind of um, started doing that. And so I really wasn't really connected to church um, until I met Kaylee, you know, in my mid thirties. And we, after we got married, uh, our church went to Israel and that was, and then we got, um, and they stopped at the Jordan river for the baptism. And originally I wasn't going to do it, but long story short, I ended up going, I mean, everybody was lining up in our church to get baptized and I was staying back. Cause I said, Oh, I've been baptized before, but looking at, at Kaylee down, you know, down there getting ready to be baptized, I'm thinking, you know, I kind of felt convicted that I'm thinking I should probably be down there with my wife to get <laughs> baptized together. Right. And so, um, I was, I just, so I ran down there and got baptized. And that was the first time I committed myself to the Lord on my terms, not just expectations because I'm a PK. Okay. Wow. How about you, Kaylee? I was very fortunate. My mom took us to church every weekend, every Sunday. So I was raised in the church. So I don't have all the stories you have, honey. But um, yeah, I was very fortunate. 
But, you know, God blesses that. You know, a lot of times people feel guilty that they don't have some prodigal son or prodigal daughter story, you know, or they don't have this big, you know, testimony of them going into this gross sin and, you know, God redeeming from those, those are, those testimonies are out there and, and they're wonderful to hear, but isn't God in the details of his faithfulness of Christian covenant families? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thank God for all the families raising their children in the Lord. Yes. So what's it like uh, being married to your business partner, Kaylee? <laughs> Yeah, honey, tell me. Well, how much time do you have? (laughs) It has been quite a journey. I think we've come, I feel like we've come quite a long ways. I remember we have weekly meetings Monday at 3.30. When we first started, it would get kind of heated. We'd get talking about things and trying to get resolved and not trigger each other. And uh, and now years later, we've gotten much better at it, thank the Lord. And we've learned a lot of things along the way. I remember one time uh, we needed somebody to be do QuickBooks in our house, and that's not really my gifting. I'm more um, the creative type. And Robert asked me, and I just didn't want to tell him no. And so I did it, and it frustrated both of us because he'd be like, honey, did you get the QuickBooks done? And I would put it off because it's the last thing I want to do. And then I would finally do it. And he'd be like, honey, this isn't right. It's not like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like numbers, there's only one place to put them and they got to come out even. And I'm like, oh, so drive me nuts, drive him nuts. We trigger each other and turn into a hot mess. And uh, so we learned that some of those jobs it's probably better to get somebody else that's more qualified to do it, even if you need to pay to have that done, because um, it's hard on your marriage. So those are some of the things that we've, that comes to mind that we've gone through. What about you, Robert? Yeah, I mean, it's similar. Just knowing how to communicate well, resolve issues so that you can move forward. I mean, you know, the things that we've experienced, obviously our clients experience the same thing. So we're kind of helping through the same things that we went through. You know, that was, that's kind of the Achilles heel for most couples when they're working together or doing ministry together is just being able to make a decision, agree on something and move forward. Mm-hmm. Because when you stay stuck in disagreement, well, you can't move forward. Right. And so we had to work through that ourselves. And, you know, we had two years of counseling before we even got married. So that kind of foundation really helped us to be able to resolve issues. Um, because what we found, you know, in counseling and just through our years of marriage and then starting to work together is the things we start, the things that get heated that we, we disagree on and it becomes heated are based on the emotional trigger, not about the topic at hand. So the way I present information might just trigger her emotionally and the way she responds she responds upset or whatever and then i respond by having to defend myself or something and next thing you know we're really not arguing about the topic like say quickbooks we're not arguing about quickbooks <laughs> we're, we're arguing that she's met upset and i'm upset <laughs> we're just arguing about the fact that we're both upset is <laughs> based on I mean, if you really if you really look at it most arguments aren't actually about the topic at hand but it's about certain assumptions that are made and the based on the emotional response, we respond back in kind. 
And so that's what we found that we really had to, you know, when we find ourselves in that cycle of insanity, we call it, everybody's saying the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. As long as one of us calls a quick timeout and says, okay, what are we talking about here? What are we disagreeing on? But what are we, what do we agree on? And then based on that, let's start with a point of agreement so we can resolve the disagreement. But also I'll just ask sometimes, or she'll ask, what do you need from me? It's, and then basically that's the cue to think about, okay, do I need an actual solution to perceive problem? Or do I just need you to listen and empathize with my, my situation? Because a lot of times, and you know, just generalizing here, the women just want you to listen mm-hmm. and empathize and want you just to acknowledge that you understand her emotion, her upset, why she's upset and all that. But as guys, we want to fix a problem and right. we're going to defend ourselves and we're going to just try to tell her a solution of how she needs to look at this thing differently <laughs> when that's not what she's wanting. And the next thing you know, we're going round and round about it because I'm providing a solution she doesn't want. She just wants me to listen and understand. And so that, that question about what do you need for me helps me frame, okay, which way do I go? Do I just listen, empathize, or do I actually do need to provide a solution? And, you know, nine times out of 10, she just wants me to listen and empathize. <laughs> and one time I totally caught him off guard. I said, I need a hug. And he's like, what? His like, eyes are like deer in a headlight. He's like, a hug? I'm like, yeah, a hug. So he gave me a hug. And then I was on my little merry way. She walked away. <laughs> and then he's like, what? This can't be it. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something I can do. Because I had five solutions ready. <laughs> fire off at me. <laughs> you look disappointed, honey. I kind of was. <laughs> I think I think you two have been married about the same time that my wife and I have been married. We got married in 2006. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what I've learned is that in my experience, I'm, I'm too often reluctant to get advice from my wife. But when I do, it's gold. It's pure mm-hmm. gold. My wife is very rarely wrong. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that she never is wrong or that we yeah. never have disagreements, but right. very rarely when I do, I regret it when I take my wife's advice. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a process for me to go to my wife with, with problems uh, that I'm focusing on the business because she's not directly involved in the business that I run, mm-hmm. but you know, she's you know working with the kids and homeschooling them. And but she is a a great listener and a great source of wisdom and and, and definite third party, uh, you know gives a good third party perspective. And, and so, you know, w- my recommendation to marriage, married couples is that, you know, you really listen to the, each other's perspectives because yeah. I've been too reluctant to do that. Unfortunately. Why, why is that? Pride. Cause he's a guy. <laughs> cause I've done the same thing. Case well, cause he just said they're like yeah. gold. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be asking her all the time then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's your pride. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, no, honey. I went through the same thing. Yeah. have to find out the hard way that, hey, when Kaylee has a feeling, I didn't even listen to those feelings because they're usually right. Um, and to your point about she may not be directly involved in the business. And at, at one point she wasn't. 
but when she has a feeling about something about someone or some situation um you listen to that and when you don't um you should you should make the wrong choices and so yeah definitely you know totally understand that you know as men and generalizing here again but we tend to look at the facts and figures you know all that kind of stuff and women go by you know basically the sermon intuition whatever you want to call it and they're feeling about something and you actually you need both because sometimes things are hidden mm-hmm. that you don't see in the facts and figures but that discernment and that feeling actually can pick up on things that you don't see on paper and so yeah definitely want to you know again affirm what you said keith because i went the same thing and through all the men listening the husbands listening that pay attention to your wife uh, for sure they'll they'll help you a lot <laughs> even if they're not directly involved in your business or ministry isn't that why you know god created marriage to help one another yeah we're, we're one right two is one mm-hmm. and so That's we right. do complete each other and in fact we you know a nice story is uh, we interviewed howard Howard Bihar a while back he was the former president of a Starbucks and he would bring his wife whenever they're interviewing and usually when he's interviewing and he's involved that usually means they're hiring some kind of executive some kind of c-suite right and so one of the final stages of the interview was going out to dinner and he'd always bring his wife and he would just and he would just you know they'd have dinner and talk and then on the ride home he'd say okay what do you think and whatever the thumbs up or thumbs down that was she was the final decision maker <laughs> because he says she knows people and and so yeah she he relied on her um, even though she didn't work in the business yeah right so one of the problems that a lot of business owners have is compartmentalizing you know the various roles in in, in their lives so you know there's the business and then there's the marriage and the children and the church membership, you know, how, how does your work help address that for your clients? Yeah. So we kind of look at the, there's four quadrants that we look at is yourself, your relationships, your family, your business, and your wealth. And so, and we call it kind of a recipe for success. And so, and use the term recipe intentionally because a recipe, you know, for any of you foodies that like to cook, that you have your basic list of ingredients or your basic types of flavors you want to add into any dish or meal. And, but the amount and ratios that you put in of each can vary based on your own taste. You know, what, what tastes good is the end of the day, does it taste good? It doesn't matter how much, how many uh, teaspoons or tablespoons you built of each, as long as the flavors do blend together to taste good, then that's what matters most. So you can start with a basic recipe that tells you, how much of each ingredient to put in. But at the end of the day, you might put in, like leave something out and substitute for something for a different flavor, or you adjust the ratios and all that to adjust to how you and your family like it, right? So when you look at yourself, your family, business, and, and your wealth, you wanna say, these are the essential ingredients for success in your life. And what are the, like the non-negotiables, the, uh, you know, the, absolute minimum of time you want to put in your say yourself and your family to make sure that your personal life is whole right and if you look at the four quadrants your most of your time or most of your uh the most of the thing that impacts 
your success is around relationships. Your relationships are to the quadrants and then your wealth, meaning the money that you're just putting that just grows without your without you know your effort, right? Putting into some mutual funds or something like that, it just grows without your effort. And the business is a thing you're putting your your you know your, your a lot of effort into. But you got to make sure those other three quadrants are healthy too. So yourself, you know, as entrepreneurs, we take care of ourselves last. Mm-hmm. Right? We're serving everything else and everybody else, and we're last. So you got to start with yourself. How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing just health wise, physically, emotionally, and mentally? What is the bare minimum of things you got to do every day to make sure you're staying healthy as a person, right? And it doesn't take a lot of time, right? By reading the scripture in the morning and prayer and quiet time and my walks with the dog and all that, those are the bare minimum things I can do every day and it doesn't take a lot of time. But that's how I start my day. And with relationships, the bare minimum for, for me is, you know, again, after I have my quiet time, then Kaylee and I pray together every morning before the walk. And that's the bare minimum thing that we can do, regardless of how busy day the day can be. But that's where we start the day was with each other. And then the wealth, again, that's just money we're just consistently putting in to create wealth. And then the rest of the time is the business. Um, so I'm talking about just bare minimums. What we do more, we're more intentional about other things like date nights and our, our weekly outings or doing quarterly getaways and our vacations, all that. And those are things we schedule in and those are things we put in. What are the things we want to do, make sure we do to stay healthy as ourselves and relationally? And then we have the rest of the time on the business. Yeah. And on the calendar, we get it on there ahead of time. Like if we want to go date night, we talk about that all on our weekly um, meetup. What our calendar is going to look like are we going to do date night you know he's robert's going to be gone for you know a week for a conference so what are the expectations he's going to be probably super busy so maybe we'll get and do a date night in two weeks when he gets back and we get that on the calendar because in our house if it's not on the calendar it just doesn't happen and you're really good honey about uh planning vacations because me i'm like oh we'll get to it well you know you'll never get to it if it's not on the I'm, calendar i'm the planner keith so. so he's already got <laughs> next year's trip plan which is great uh so that way there's like no on this trip there's no wiggle room because we have to fly <laughs> so it's like okay we're going which is good because otherwise i know people they oh i've been wanting to go on vacation for years and they just keep postponing it and putting it off and putting it off and then they're like all proud because oh i haven't taken a vacation in 10 years you know but we all need time for ourselves time for our relationships our families and to get away right my wife and i just last weekend had dinner with an older couple from our church and they were telling us about how they you know maintain their marriage through contracts uh, and so, you know, the provisions in the contract would say, you know, who was doing what and what the deadlines for that. And so my wife and I are actually working on a contract for the marriage uh, in terms of, you know, spending time together and who does what and when it's going to happen and, and uh, you know, who's in charge of planning each event. Uh, and so we've actually taken the like, wow, uh, we're looking at you know, very things we'll do on a regular basis, things we'll do maybe once or twice a year, um, or maybe once a quarter. Uh, So we're having things that we're doing on a regular basis, things that we're doing, you know, every now and then, and maybe one thing we'll do once a year. Yeah. Uh, And and that, and then we're thinking about other contracts, like, well, can we have a contract on, 
you know, work-life balance or, you know, just many different things that we have it on paper and we know who's responsible for what. Yeah. Yeah, and even just what you shared there, the contract for vacations, all of that, that that inherently is creating work-life balance because you're not so focused just on building your practice, but you're making sure that the other aspects of your life are, are whole too. Well, the, the problem that my wife has with me, and, I, and I'm perfectly happy to say this because it's me, not her, <laughs> but uh, she keeps coming to me, hey, we need to set a date for vacation we actually just got back from vacation last week and i'm like yeah 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 and then i go back to work <laughs> two weeks later we really need to set a date for a vacation yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but in the contract that we're working on it's like we will decide by these yeah. dates yeah. you will give me your availability on yeah. by this date yeah that's good i like that you're setting the expectations i have a deadline Oh, you like deadlines. Okay. Expectations of who you were saying earlier is going to do what and when and what that's going to look like. And Right. Right. So the way we're thinking of it, if I recall correctly, is, you know, having a, um, a dinner out together, you know, on like twice a month. And then, you know, she plans the first one. I plan the second one uh we are talking about you know like a like a having a a day together just her and i mm -hmm. once a quarter um and you know we each will plan two a year yeah that's good um, yeah and then and then we will plan like a four or five day weekend just for mm -hmm. us yep a year oh i bet your wife is so excited she's getting you to <laughs> I, I, I'm just too, I, you know, I, I get too engrossed in, in you know, what I'm doing mm -hmm. that it, it, it's always a great idea. It's something I want to do. I just never get around to it. And so now, <laughs> now you get deadlines. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. interesting, interesting. You bring up the topic of contract because I just met this guy, uh, Aaron Thomas, who's a, an attorney in family law, and he decided to start to focus his practice primarily on prenuptial agreements. So just for setting up prenuptial agreements. And the first time I heard about this, I'm like, okay, because someone had introduced me to have him on our podcast. And I'm like, prenuptial agreements, this sounds like counter what we were trying to do. But what he was talking about, how he, how he encourages and advises clients to set up um, uh, prenuptial agreements is based on exactly what you're talking about, is in the agreements, this is how we want to live our marriage. This is how we want to make sure we have transparency in our finances, because that's always a hot topic, right? That's always one of the big issues in a marriage. So we talk about writing in the contract, transparency in, in finances. We're going to have regular weekly meetings and all the things that you're kind of talking about, you know, because you talk about contracts. So that's basically what the prenuptial agreement is, is the contract of how we're going to live life. And and so, uh, and I was like, oh, that's actually pretty good because it's it's a legally binding contract. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So anyways, I just kind of threw that in because of what you what you get you and your wife are doing. Absolutely. So let's let's move the conversation forward. In your experience as a married couple in business, what does it take to create and manage well? Huh. That's a big question, but it always starts with yourself, right? You always talk about the buck stops with you. And so it always starts with yourself. And so when you talk about managing a business, 
um, you know, when things aren't going well, you have to look at, okay, what am I doing to hinder the progress of the business? And a lot of it is usually tied to where you're spending your time. And so the typical business owner is spending way too much time on busy work and they haven't delegated enough or figured out ways to automate to kind of speed things up through some of the automation and softwares out there? Or do we just eliminate, stop doing certain things that aren't producing fruit or is, or at least minimize the amount of time we spend in some of those, you know, not as productive work. So initially, how do we spend more time focused on the things that we're best at in the business? Like I'm more the content generator and obviously the lead generator for sales and all that. And I can get bogged down on some of the other administrative type work and all that. So we said, okay, I got to pare down. Where, what do I do with all this other stuff, right? Do we hire, do we hire a virtual assistant? Um, maybe hire a bookkeeper so she doesn't have to do QuickBooks. You know, all those things relieve some of that pressure of some of those daily activities that are bogging us down for being, focusing our time on the most productive work that we can do. So I would just say simply, just start with yourself first. And what are you doing to hinder growth? And what can you do differently? Where should you be spending your time more effectively so that you'll have, uh, you'll, you'll be able to grow the business? And I think too, a lot of times as uh, entrepreneurs, we need to let go of stuff. We think we have to do it all ourselves, wear 101 hats, running ourselves rugged all over the place. We're usually not good at everything. And we're not really doing the things that we love. The lead, uh, gen the where we're increasing our margins of time and profit. We're doing all these other things, putting out 101 fires. And right. so we're not growing because we can't grow any bigger than ourselves. Well, and I think that there's a difference between you know, working in the business and working on the business. Mm -hmm. sure. You know, the, the, the illustration that I give a lot of people is that the plumber knows how to do plumbing but they don't always know how to do lead generation or they don't know how to do their books and to, you know, just be honest with themselves about those things, but also, you know, having processes and, and advisors in place to help them with things that they don't quite understand. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times people think that they're going to be in business forever. Uh, and that's just not the case. The one thing that I can tell business owners quite confidently is that there's only one thing I can really truly guarantee them is that one day they'll no longer be in business. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know if that's next week or 40 years from now, but having a plan in place sooner than later to mm -hmm. know the value of your business and to set up safeguards in place to transfer the ownership of that business whether mm -hmm. it's next week or 30 years from now, starting sooner than later, it, it should, ought to be a top priority for any business owner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, no succession. Because mm -hmm. that's usually one of the early questions we have when working with a new client is, what's your succession strategy? You know, do you, do you right. have one? And even if you don't have anything formally in place, we need to start thinking about that and talking about that so that we can develop a strategy. Because knowing the and at the beginning is helpful to know how we want to build and structure this business, right? Absolutely. Is it is it going to be ultimately sold over or handed over to one of the kids, or are you going to sell to a third party? You know, all those things need to be talked about so you kind of know how to set everything up. It saddens me that 
an enormous amount of wealth is lost because businesses have no plan mm-hmm. and just simply close their doors and sell yeah. the equipment. Yep. And with a little bit of planning and a little bit of money, and it doesn't have to be an enormous amount of money, Mm-mm. you could you could potentially sell that business for much more than you would have ever dreamed. The other mm-hmm. thing that I tell business owners is that all of your assets should not be in the business. There should be other assets out mm-hmm. there yeah. that they are uh, accumulating. And I also encourage you know business owners who have the potential many times to build you know uh, an enormous amount of wealth to have a generous mindset. Mm-hmm. Lead yeah. with generosity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, too many times, you know, Kaylee, you have a firsthand example of how discussion of succession usually doesn't happen till the end. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then it's too late. It's like they're forced, you know, like with my situation with my dad, he always said I was going to take it over, but he never released it to me. And time had gone on and got married and moved to a different area. And then, because uh, he thought I was going to drive two hours every day. My dad did to go to work after I got married. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen in L.A. And uh, then my sisters, my brother-in-law ended up taking it over. But my dad was like not in a good place at that time. He was like, I just need someone to take it. I just I can't do this anymore. It's too much for me, as opposed to starting a lot sooner and finding the right person. Not saying my brother-in-law is not the right person, but and then mentoring them, showing them all the ropes so that it's when the owner leaves people don't even notice it's happened so smoothly as opposed to oh my gosh i'm so desperate i got to find somebody and because sometimes they can't find somebody and it's so sad to see the business go out of business right right and you know when you have married couples whether they're both involved in the business or not you know a lot of times there's going to be this desire hey i want to leave something to my children and grandchildren uh, and if you don't have plans in place to transfer the business to a family member or to sell it, a lot of times it's difficult to, to transfer wealth from one generation to the next in a way that's very efficient. Mm-hmm. And a lot of wealth could be lost to taxes, or mm-hmm. maybe you're going to have people involved in your business uh, because they inherited shares of the corporation who have no knowledge or ability to be in the corporation, or maybe there there's uh, conflicts between family members. And my whole goal is to help families transfer business ownership that keeps families united. You know, to to have siblings working together or not working together, but accomplish the goals of that family in a way that will keep the family united, whether they're all involved in the business or not. Yeah. Uh, because the yeah. fact is that we all think that we're always going to be in business, but it's not going to happen. But we don't know when we will leave the business. Mm-hmm. A problem yeah. that I'm seeing very often is that as people are living longer, you might be 65 and still have your parents around. Mm-hmm. And they may require more of your time. And there's more and more people who are 62 retiring early, collecting early Social Security and to take care of a ailing parent mm-hmm. it happens all the time or maybe they have their own health issues and they're suddenly forced to stop working yeah 
because of their home own health issues. And so yeah. the message is that you're going to leave the business. You just don't know when, and it might be the time you least expect it. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So if you're saving and budgeting and investing throughout the work of, uh, of your business, does that mean you can't have any fun? <laughs> no, you budget for everything, right? Including budgeting for fun. Um, unfortunately, you know, we don't do budgeting very well a lot of times. And, and I was one of those guys that didn't like to budget. Kaylee wanted to budget when we first got married. And I, it was really, a hot topic. <laughs> yeah, we fought against that, or I fought against that, um, until we took uh, Crown Financial Ministries um, years ago, and we ended up kind of actually leading that in our church. Um, and so when you start reading what the Bible has to say, what God has to say about money and budgeting and saving and investing, I, mean, I was already investing, but I think the budgeting part wasn't doing. And so when I started reading scripture around that, and what God has to say about that uh, that whole subject, I got convicted, and it was everything Kaylee wanted and said, and I, that I fought against. And then next day, now I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I guess it's important to God. And so I was like, all right. So I finally got on the same page with her, and we started started doing that. But yeah, everybody thinks like when you have to create a budget, get on a budget, you can't have fun, and what it just means is you're probably just going to spend less than what you're normally used to, <laughs> to, to go out and have fun. And, and fun doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I think you have to adjust your expectation, but when you don't have a budget and you're just used to just spending money. And so when you said, let's get on a budget and we have to, you know, you know, reduce our meals and entertainment amount, we think, Oh, I'm not going to have any fun anymore, but you find how you can have fun. And we do a lot of free stuff. Um, that's a lot of fun. That doesn't cost money, obviously, as I said, but yeah, you can absolutely have fun. But then with the budget, then you have money to save and invest on a regular basis that builds wealth so that you can have more fun later, you know, as you get older or still have fun as you get older. Um, because if you're spending all your money having fun now with no money later, then you're really not going to have fun when you get older <laughs> because you have no money. So why not? Let's have fun now, but let's plan to continue to have fun in the future by investing that money, um, you know, that you should budget for. Yeah, because especially when you're young and you start saving money and you're out of debt, I mean, compound interest is like crazy how fast it adds up. Right. And the fact is that when you're in debt, you inevitably end up paying more in taxes, too. Yeah. You pay more so, for everything. Right. And, and so, you know, not everyone has the benefit of you and I living in Southern California. One of the things that my wife and I have started doing here in the last couple months is having dinner at the beach. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that doesn't mean that we have to buy food out to take to the beach. It might be we create a sandwich or we, you know, have some sort of meal pack that we make at home and we just sit at the beach and take the kids and yeah. we're there for the sunset. Mm -hmm. Might pay three or $4 for parking, but mm -hmm. that's a, pretty cheap event mm -hmm. yeah we yeah. do that we go picnics they have free concerts in the park and you, we cook a meal and take it there sometimes we invite some friends there's so many things you can do inexpensively yeah. i mean for me a, a free event would be hiking in the mountains there you go i mean you know you put me in the sierra nevada mountains at ten thousand feet in elevation it costs a little bit of money to get gas up there but I'm in heaven. <laughs> so very good. 
pack a lunch and <laughs> you're yeah. good to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's great. Uh, and, you know, I have a spot where I can camp for free and park my car for free. Oh, there you go. Really not that far from me. And, you know, and, and if you, you're a listener in Iowa, there are lakes, there are, you know, or anywhere really there's lakes there's different places that you can enjoy one another and one another's company without spending money because it's really not you know the the value of your time together is not the amount of money that you spend it's, mm -hmm. it, it's the quality of, mm -hmm. of, of being with one another and yeah and we make it a game sometimes find out what we can do for free and here you just here in pasadena you know the Huntington, uh, the Huntington Gardens, Norton Simon, well-renowned you know museums and botanical gardens. They have once a month free entry for uh, for everybody. I guess it's not just residents, but just once once a month they have free days, and so we go on free days. <laughs> that a lot of times our culture is telling us that in order to have fun we have to spend money, and you mm -hmm. know I could spend my wife and I could spend you know fifty dollars to go to a movie. And that may be all well and good and entertaining, but has that been quality time for my wife and I? Right. I'm just watching a movie. <laughs> right. We didn't talk. We, we, you know, we didn't have any interaction. We were, our eyes were tied to the movie. And that's not me. That's not saying you can't ever go and see a movie, but it's just to say that we should be more focused on the quality of our time together mm -hmm. rather than the amount of money that we're yep. spending. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So how can our listeners more learn more about your work and, and how to reach out to you? Well, the most direct way, I guess, just go to our website, marriedentrepreneur.co. And through that, you can, you know, even look at our podcast, Power Up Your Marriage and Business. You can also get a copy of our book, Tandem, The Married Entrepreneur's Guide for Greater Work-Life Balance. And even if you just wanted to, talk to us there's a free discovery call that we have right on there just the let's talk button right in the upper right hand corner you can click and it goes right to my calendar and you can schedule a, a complimentary call with us so absolutely you know one of the things that i've really appreciated is your posting on on linkedin oh, thanks uh, and, and so i think you put out some pretty good content out there that's really valuable and, and thought-provoking and I would encourage our listeners to go ahead and connect with you on LinkedIn to get access yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. To see the value that you bring. I, I, I really enjoy it. Oh, thanks, Keith. Awesome. So thank you for coming in and visiting with me today. And, uh, and we look forward to having uh, more great guests come here on the faith and money podcast. If you are listening to us and you haven't already, Shame on you, but don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. Uh, and don't forget to share the podcast with a friend and perhaps an enemy too. Uh, <laughs> until next time, uh, so long and God bless. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Faith and Money Podcast. But remember, our conversations don't end here. We invite you to continue exploring these fascinating subjects by subscribing to our podcast. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, ensuring that you stay connected to our community of like-minded individuals seeking wisdom and guidance in their financial and spiritual lives. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate and review the Faith and Money podcast. Your feedback not only helps us improve, 
but it also allows others to discover and benefit from these enriching discussions. Your words have the power to inspire and empower others to embark on their own journeys toward financial well-being and spiritual fulfillment. Lastly, we want to extend a heartfelt invitation to join us for future episodes. We have exciting guests lined up who will share their unique perspectives and experiences. Together, we'll continue to dive deeper, challenge conventions, and uncover hidden truths that can transform our lives for the better.